a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad Chris Taylor. Hello again and it's Birth, Baby Beyond with midwife Kath and my wonderful co-host for this series, Chris Taylor. Yes, I am a, uh, a new dad, father to baby Rose, who's just turned six months as we record this. It's a lovely, lovely age. It is a lovely age. And then when she becomes seven months, eight months, every age is a lovely age. It really is. Every progressive developmental stage is really wonderful. It's worth sort of reiterating that because when, when you have a baby, as, as we will get to throughout this podcast, you think it's like the greatest day of your life and the baby, it's never going to get better than this. And one friend did say to me, it just gets better and better as they develop more personality and, yep. and they don't get less cute just because they get bigger. If anything, like I ran about six months now, I think she's peaking with cuteness, but other people are going, no, 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 more cute to come. Oh, no. Lots of. But anyway, we're here to talk about preparing for the big day, Chris, as far as partners and dads, just to prepare there are things that you don't have to do, but there's a lot a lot to talk about, isn't there? Absolutely. This is very much the business end of the pregnancy, right at the, you know, as we enter the third trimester, you're counting down the days to labour and making sure that you're not just in the right mental space to welcome a new little human into your life, but also you've properly prepared the home, the car, your, your work arrangements and your work life to make the baby's arrival as smooth as possible. So let's start with work, Kath. Yeah. If the partner is able to get leave from his work, do you think he should try to arrange leave before the baby's due or or is it fine to wait until after the baby's arrived? I think after. Even the day of birth, obviously have that off. But when your partner's in hospital, it's hard to stay there all day and obviously all night. Some hospitals, you can do that. But... It's good to get work tidied up and when your partner comes home from hospital, absolutely fantastic time to be home. Mm. What what did you do, Chris? Were you home? I'm lucky or unlucky is you be the judge. I'm a a freelancer, so I don't have a boss. So I I kind of took a lot of time off and just sort of lived on savings, which I was privileged enough to be able to do. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I don't think I was working meaningfully in the lead up to the birth, and then I took three months off. Nice. Sort of just, I mean, that's that's re- that's the ultimate. Obviously, not everyone will will be as flexible as that. It is interesting though, because all the other dads I was going through with seem to be taking the first two weeks off. Let's mm-hmm. say that they came from uh, places of work with employers that allowed two weeks paid leave, and they all took the first two weeks off, which is totally understandable. That's right in the crux of things, and you want to be there as this very new time at home. It was cute, but it's also very new, and you want to, you know, it's it's you want to be hands on at the time the baby's first arrived. With the benefit of hindsight, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, Kath. I kind of wonder, in in a funny way, those first two weeks are almost the the easiest. Oh, a hundred percent. In a way, because the baby sleeps a lot. Everyone's on a bit of a high still. It's it's when you get home. And dad goes back to work, say, let's say it's, you know, on week three, week four, week five, and the mum's left alone. That's when things sort of get hard. So, I I mean, it's very hard to tell dads, oh, don't take the first two weeks off. But 
What would you say? I agree with you because the first few weeks at home you've got uh, the maternal and child health nurse will come and mm-hmm. you've got people dropping in meals and parents and in-laws, everyone there, and it, and it is a quite a busy time, plus everyone's on a high. And I think even a month later, that's the time to be home because the baby's a lot more interesting even a few mm. weeks down the track, you know, looking up and around a bit more. As I said, it's a really, it's a hard thing to sell on it because they, they want to be there. I mean, in, in an ideal world, I, you know, if it's at all possible with your work, if you can take more than two weeks or even, you know, take unpaid leave because it's such a momentous, memorable, special time and it's it's almost worth putting the tools down and just investing in your life in this new piece of life you've created. But you're right. You, you're surrounded with care in those first first month, really. We had a, a house call as often as we wanted mm-hmm. under the public system. They said, just call whenever you need help. But I think it's also what's expected, like the, the chatter outside in the community that, you know, you're home those first few weeks where, I mean, I know and you know now with hindsight that, you know, a month down the track's really good. Because also you, there's the sleep deprivation uh, in those first two weeks. I tell parents that you need one very tired person in the house, not two, because two tired people end up like sort of getting to each other. If the partner's working, you know, I really think it's great for them to be in another room to sleep and work and then after a couple of weeks back in and helping because you right, there's so many people in and wanting to come around and see you in those first few weeks and see the baby and offer help and food. By about a month down the track, it sort of tends to settle down a bit. Mm. Um, how important do you think is it for partners where possible with work to attend birthing classes? Childbirth education classes, it just depends what avenue they're coming from because sometimes it's just too much information that's not relevant. I think men in 2023 are more interested in coming and listening about the birth and the postnatal period. For sure. But is it compulsory? I don't think so. Going through the birth experience, and and obviously there's just so much information out there, I think men learn on the the job sort of thing. I must have. I I did it and I I found it useful. I I agree with you. It's a a bit of information overload, but I kind of took the view that even if you took three key things away from each session, then it was still worthwhile. They're also really worthwhile from a social point of view. The producer of this podcast, Siobhan, she never ended up having a mother's group or parenting group up because she had such a strong bond with her birthing classes. The group from that. That sort of became her mother's group. And, and, you know, so you can't speak highly enough of just making those connections with a group of people going through the same... Mm -hmm extraordinarily huge thing in their life at the same time as you. But as I said, I I reckon about 50% of the participants in my birthing classes, the partners came along. And, oh, yeah. And they were always quite shy, <laughs> except for me. You'll be surprised to hear. <laughs> it's, normally, it's normally the mums who ask all the questions, but I was the annoying, <laughs> embarrassing dad or dad-to-be who'd have a lot of questions and my partner would kick me under the table. Put go, your arm down, Chris Taylor. This is, this is for mums. You're not, you're, <laughs> no, you're it's just not. You're no, just here it's... to look interesting. But no, I said no. <laughs> no. We, if I'm here, I've got yeah. – I'm, I'm naturally a curious person. Yeah, I? yeah. I'm that – yeah. I, so, look, I, no, I would – it's interesting to hear your advice because I would recommend it. I, I did ultimately find it useful even though there was a lot of stuff you could very quickly disregard and say not for me. 
just the education into women's biology. I don't know. My school wasn't really very big on that. So I found that a really important crash course. I think there can be too much information and there's some relevant information that you need. You don't need to see videos or you know, a baby born, you just don't need to see that because it really It's kind freaks. of fascinating. It's kind of fascinating. Though. It's very, <laughs> some of them are more graphic than I expected. And, and it actually can cause men a little bit of anxiety. And there's been quite a few men in a birth that have fainted because of that anxiety up to the birth and they, you know, they get tired and they're hungry or, thir- or something like that. And then all of a sudden they just go, that, that's kind of why I think it doesn't hurt to go to the classes or, or, or just do your own research and watch some of these videos in advance because if you're seeing a birth for the first time when it's your baby's birth, whoa, you're in for a bit of a culture shock. So it, I, I thought of, it kind of helped prepare me to see some very graphic videos just well, to know good, yeah. to know the full catastrophe ahead. <laughs> like, you know, I know. All of the above. Anyway, it's just a personal decision. You don't have to go in. You know, if there is anxiety and you're worried, talk to the midwives because we can really help new dads just to reassure you and say everything's okay and if you want to sit down and we'll give you a drink and something to eat, it's really good to talk about how you feel. In terms of getting the house all ready for the baby... What are the absolute must-have essentials? Because there are these stores like Baby Bunting that have God knows how Baby many Bunting, products. I call it. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're obviously all about trying to upsell you and give you things you don't necessarily need. But there are some things you absolutely must have. What, what would you regard as the must-have essentials when you're decking out your house? The two things I would say is obviously a car seat yep. and a cot. You don't need a bassinet because you can actually put a baby in a cot from day one. Okay. Yeah. And a bassinet just is there for a few months and then it's extra sort of draw for a lot of people just to put things in. So those things, like a seat and a cot, obviously the wrapping, the swaddling, and, I, and I'm very old-fashioned, as they say, with the wrapping. And I invented a, a style of wrapping, Chris, and it's called Cath's Wrap. And <laughs> I do this, Cath's Wrap. Because when I started midwifery, this was all pre-cot death information. And we used to put all babies on their tummy to sleep. Yeah. And, of course, they the would... the opposite of what the advice yeah. is now. Then with the information and evidence with SIDS, we had to turn them on their back and sleep on the back. But babies were a bit out of control with having no wrapping over them. So I invented a style of wrapping that can make a baby feel like it's in utero, move its arms, but sort of be safely wrapped and you can find that on um, YouTube and it's called Cath's Wrap. So um, sort of the swaddling, obviously nappies. Now wipes, I would say a big no to wipes because would I've you? seen Oh, my God, they've so... been a, we, a godsend in our household. No, we, I understand. We go through packets of wipes. Yeah, but when <laughs> Rosie's age is good. Right. I can show you photos of babies' bottoms that are nearly have got second-degree burns on them because all the wiping. So you're saying for a baby you don't. What would, yep. you, what would you use? Cotton balls of... and water okay. and cotton balls and olive oil if there's a pooey nappy. Works beautifully. Just, okay. just some pure olive oil. Because we used, always used to use water and cotton balls and the wipes have become, obviously they're easy, and, but I see some really terrible burnt bottoms, really bad. And then when babies wee in the nappy and they've got this sort of raw bottom, it's one of the reasons mm. why some babies cry. A lot. I wonder if the one of the messages there is 
if you do have wipes, and as I said, we, we certainly use them from day dot, just be a bit gentle with them. Don't don't slather them onto the baby's body. But also use them maybe just for a pooey nappy, not for every nappy. Just use some cotton balls and oh, water. Yeah. Absolutely. The change mats, well, change mats you can you can put anything, even one of the wraps you can put down as long as you've got something to, something. you know, put the baby on. So, okay, so the essentials as we've just outlined, so a cot, or we did have a bassinet and a cot, but we were given a bassinet, so it was no extra cost. But it, we found it useful just to have something smaller because our bedroom's quite small and we wanted her in with us. Yes. But I take your point, bassinet or cot or both. Uh, a pram you didn't mention. Probably pram, pram, of course. Yeah, pram, yeah. car seat, swaddling, nappies, wipe slash cotton wool buds. And then, well, then obviously things like clothes. My big tip to all, not just dads, everyone, you don't really need to buy that much. You get given so many things. If you've got lovely friends and People family, are so I, generous, aren't they, when you have I've, a baby, Chris? Uh, you'll never feel more Love. loved. Yes. <laughs> and it's like Christmas used to be when you were eight. Like people just, people you don't know come round and knit and your, you things. And your parents' and, friends. <laughs> Send, yes. send a, a gift oh. through the bowls club or whatever. Your parents' friends who you've never met, you know, have been knitting through the winter and give you a whole wardrobe. So don't buy clothes and don't buy toys and don't buy books. You will be given all of these all things. All of the above, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just excess, isn't it? What I do say to buy is a really big, if you can get a nice sort of rug for the floor. Yes. Because that's a nice thing for the baby to be on and... There's some beautiful handmade quilts. So if, if there's any arty, crafty people like myself to make something, one of those quilts are really, really great for the baby to be on the ground. This one comes up a lot. Is there anything you must buy new or is it fine to use secondhand things from friends or online sites? Well, secondhand things are okay. Car seats, definitely new. That's what we were told. Car seat is sort of... Nappies, obviously, probably new. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, car seat's the big one. And they said other than the car seat, things like cots. No, don't need uh, it, no. Swaddlings, no. Pram, pram even, they, you reckon if it's in good nick, yep, um, probably absolutely. fine. Fine to use secondhand. But uh, just if you can pay for a good car seat, that's everything. It's almost worth putting your money into the good car seat. Yeah. The one we got, I think... It goes for four years and there's, there's some on the market that last 10 years because yeah. that's how long children need to be in car seats now in, in most states of Australia. You're not going to regret that and they're not super expensive. You can, I think they start at 300 or yep. something. Yeah. Now, what's your position on baby monitors? Do you need them? Well, do you need them? You don't actually need them. Are they good? Yes, they are good. Especially if you're happy to have the baby in another room, the, the monitor's do help. And I think women find overnight they can get very anxious with not seeing the baby and just having that monitor there is good. Mm. So, and that's if you don't want the baby in your room, which some people don't. Yeah, of course. But if the baby's in the room, you don't really need it, obviously. Or, no. or maybe later on. Yeah, mm -hmm. we no longer now that she's six months, but I reckon up to five months, um, Rose was sleeping at the end of our bed in a very cute sort of antique bassinet <laughs> and um, it was so very... beautiful. And it was... Yeah, but you we, miss yeah. them when they go into another room, don't you? Oh, we do a bit. And yeah. you miss that sort of, those beautiful noises that they make yeah. when they're asleep. Yeah, that's just my, that. 
my wife in particular is having real withdrawals, and I think she even sneaks into the other room oh. <laughs> just to, have a, to hear those noises again during the night. Okay, let's play this game. Just a quick fire game. Yes or no? Products that you'll probably try to get sold to you <laughs> when you walk in. Ups. It's like Maccas, isn't it? Um, a baby bathtub. You don't have to have a new one. So if someone gives you one, I mean, they're probably $20 or something like that. So good to have one rather than use your real bath or basin? A baby bath is much better than, you know, having a big bath or a basin. A basin, it's cold too. The baby's not capable of sort of stretching out. You know, they're sort of a bit crunched up because they grow so quickly, don't yeah. they? Yeah. So that's a tick though. You yep. get yourself a bath. Yep. Uh, nappy bag. No, you don't have to have a nappy bag. Like us women have about three, four, five. Any bag will do. I found as a classic example of someone's created a product that doesn't need to exist. Like any yes. bag will hold a nappy. Yes. A dedicated change table. Nope. Yeah, nope, agree. Just space. You end up just changing them wherever they, <laughs> wherever they are at the time. And also change tables are the most common place where children fall. Right. Because parents think, oh, the baby's only a newborn baby. We can, you know, leave it on. Newborn babies wriggle and a lot of babies, newborn babies fall from change tables because of that reason. You know, the way I was trained was if your eyes aren't on the baby, you've got to have a hand on. And if your hands are off, you've got to be able to have your eyes on. Okay, so that's a no on the change table. Probably better to spend your money on just a good chest of drawers. You need draw. You need storage. Yeah. Um, playpen. No. No. I hate those things. They remind Great. me of prisons. Oh. <laughs> the thing we have found useful. It's it's not a playpen, but a play mat. Oh yeah, that's different. That's really. What good. do you mean the the with an arch with a mobile? Oh, see, I don't like those oh, because just... do you know why? Why they keep a baby still. Ah. Oh. Because babies just lay there and look at, you know, it's like... It's good for stimulation, we were told. They need to look at, you know, different colours, black and white when they're very young, colours when they're a bit older. No? So you've just got a room and, a, you know, the windows, they can look out the window for a tree and I'm very into that sort of natural okay. approach rather than having a jingle jangle and they don't move and that sort of also can interrupt with, the, with that sort of development of a baby move, rolling. Okay, so that's a no on the play mat. <laughs> Even though, just quietly between you and me, listeners, I found it very useful. <laughs> well, you'll um, play. Did you lay on the ground and play with it? No. Yeah. <laughs> are you, so are you a no on mobiles then? Things to hang above the cot? Well, they're a waste of yeah. money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They're fun. You've got to have a little bit oh, of fun. Oh, Chris. They're fun. cute. How long do you lay on the floor and the babies like that? Oh, look yeah. at it. They spend a lot of time in their cot. Oh, or, right. yeah, half, yes, half. Get half. yourself a mobile. <laughs> Um, what about a rocker? You know those sort of a rocker? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Gee. Look, Chris, You're you know my, my view on that pure having the baby on the floor, the developmental yeah. stuff. And I like to buy like a very big quilt for the baby to be on. They don't need all these things. And it is junk and it is expensive. It takes up room. Yeah. If you've got a small house like us, you do regret these things quite quickly. And I, I would say we... Yeah, you don't need the rocker. <laughs> a good a good mat goes a long way. Um, we we sort of touched on this one earlier: sleeping bags or sleep suits versus just mm. sleeping in normal. I know clothes. I sound negative. I'm saying no to everything. No, you should because we're it, trying to tell we're trying to save money for people. Well, again, I'm into wrapping and and that that traditional swaddling of babies, and yep. I just think with the with the sleeping bags, they look like they're being crucified. They've got their arms up <laughs> the whole time, you know. 
they do work well. They're, they're very quick and they're easy. I understand that. But again, I'm, I'm some more into the wrapping. We, we didn't use them. Rose didn't like to be wrapped at all. She was actually kind of a, a very uh, free-flowing sleeper. Can I put it that way? You, she, you couldn't swaddle her. But, but that's unusual, well, but, I, I understand. Well, no, it's not. People say that. And I, you know, I don't want to say, no, that's wrong. But all babies will do that. They all will protest. It's actually going through with the wrapping and wrapping them, but you don't wrap them with their arms tied by the, their sides. And that's really why I invented Cath's Wrap, because it's actually that the baby can move their arms and move their legs. And babies don't protest when they're wrapped properly. Mm. Trust me. Little Rose wouldn't either if I was right next door to you, Chris. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Oh, baby number two, I'm going to call on you. Um, th- a thermometer. A lot mm. of people, do you need a thermometer? Yes. Okay. That's what you spend some money on, a good right. infrared thermometer. Don't go the underarm or anything else. Get the one because, you know, it's um, everyone worries about their baby getting sick and mm. a temperature is really one of the first thing that happens if your child is unwell. So I think it's a very good idea. I think I think that's useful too. Um, and then finally, toys. I thought of this this morning because I opened the cupboard and there's like four, four, 40 knitted toys in the cupboard of our spare room, which my mum made, these beautiful oh, um, little dolls and toys, and they're, they're absolutely gorgeous and my son loved them. Toys are good, not in excess, of course. And uh, Toys are kind of in that category we touched on. You're just going to be given so many, I reckon, oh. like stuffed animals. And, and things that make a noise, seriously. Yes. Take out, <laughs> God, you just debow the back of the, the toy. Just get rid of that noise because it goes over and over again, usually at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, in terms of setting up the nursery, are there any sort of midwife cath tips on getting the room just right? I'm talking about in terms of the light, the temperature, mm. the airflow of the room. Is it yeah. dangerous to put the cot directly under a window? How do you set up a nursery as well as you can? Well, I think airflow is really important and the temperature is so important. That's why there's little eggs or that are thermometers. And have, have you got one of those? That, no, we no, don't, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, keeping it at around 19, 20 degrees, the room, very important is, you know, in relation to cot death and things like that, having a stable temperature for um, in the room for the baby. But light, well, I think a lot of people don't want too much light because they think that's how the baby's going to sleep, but that's not true. Babies will sleep you know, whether it's... In any, yeah. yeah I guess you, you don't want direct sunlight. Their skin is so sensitive. You don't want any risk of sunburn. So we had a room that got very bright morning sun. Um, so we kind of did have to put, oh, I think we put a blind in actually to yep. safeguard against that. So little things like that are necessary, I think. One of the things everyone tells you before you've had a baby is, oh, good luck. You're never going to sleep again. Or, oh, the baby uh-huh. will be up all night. I they sleep like 16 hours a day yes. as newborns. Yes, they do. They sleep they, a lot. They, they sleep way more than anyone tells you yep. they sleep. Well, I know the way I, I sort of approach it is by six months, you can, you know, sleep train your child properly. And, you know, those early nights of, you know, getting up to your baby, there's something beautiful about it. And you can miss that because that those nights sitting there just with their little baby feeding, really, I think they're beautiful. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it's sort of a... 
sort of a catch-22, isn't it? Because you don't want to be sleep-deprived. You, you, you know, it's really important to be well-rested, particularly if you've gone back to work. However, I know exactly what you mean. You, you're getting precious time with your bub mm. in the middle of the night. There is something quite mm, special really about it. Is. Okay, so the house is ready. The car seat is in. When is there a good time to be doing that so you're not leaving that at the last minute? Look, I would strongly suggest that the car seat should be in sort of like 30 to 32 weeks. Women come into labour early. Not everyone, but, you know, it is possible. And I've seen so many dads in just absolute distress because they're tired and they're trying to get this car seat in. It's just worth getting it in. And, you know, not all dads are handy and and can get their car seat in. You know, we go to the the RACV in, here in Melbourne or what's RAC, NSU, uh, I don't know what the, it's called. Well, there. there's but, very good services. Um, again, again, your, your, your baby Bunnings will, for a fee put it in for you. But if you, you can get free installation, I'm, I don't know if I can speak for every local council, but our local council just offered a service where they oh, came wow. around and installed baby seats for free. I think most councils around Australia do do that. Oh, that's a great So thing. That's really it's, it's really good. Um, and you want to do that without being tired, you know, like absolutely. it would send and, and, and pressure. Like if you've got the baby coming home tomorrow, you don't want that pressure of thinking, oh my God, I have to get the so the car seat being the car seat, and my advice on that was don't be a man about it. Like it's it's it, your baby's life is too important for you to yes. think. Oh, I don't need someone to put this in. I know how to do this. Just just get, just get some, someone to get do a it. professional to do it. Don't be a man about it. <laughs> and <laughs> there also, are people who do this for a living. Absolutely, and and put get one of those sunshades on the window too, because yeah. Australia's got very hot sun, and even in winter, it's just can get right through to that little baby. Absolutely, all right. House is ready. Car seat's in. This is the checklist I've kind of drawn up, Kath. I want you to comment on it or add to it. This is a, a good checklist for a, a partner to go through to make sure he's childbirth ready and game day ready. Car has petrol in it. Very important. <laughs> you have no idea. No idea how many people are like... We, we had to get in a taxi or something. It does yeah, happen. No, I, of course. And the poor like, partner's always been pointed at, you know. Fill it up every day once she hits 32 <laughs> weeks. 25 <laughs> cents of petrol. Um, okay, number two, know the route to the hospital. And an alternative route too. Yes. You know. Like, yeah, no, no three routes to the hospital because <laughs> if, if, if your city is anything like right. Melbourne or Sydney, there'll be roadworks the day your partner finally goes Absolutely. into labour. yeah. This one sounds like really – facile, but I can assure you it's important. Know the parking yeah. situation at the hospital. And have like, some coins. Oh, yeah. Have a lot you know, of coins Have a Sydney. lot of coins. <laughs> the, it, most most places will probably let you do a 30-minute drop-off, turn around, and then they'll ask you to park elsewhere. Yeah. And, and, yeah, just have a plan. Have yes. a plan. And, and have a little, you know, uh, dry run before the big day because... It's very stressful driving someone who's in labour. Oh, and for, yeah. for your partner being in labour and being uncomfortable and making a bit of noise, it's not that relaxing driving if it's during the day. I have more recurring nightmares about the drive to the hospital than the actual birth. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was not pretty. <laughs> what <laughs> so, happened? Did you get stuck? Or? Oh, we, there are arsehole drivers in Sydney, people mm -hmm. who don't indicate. And my wife, who had was gone into a very 
deep place. She wasn't speaking at no. all. No, yes, I There was suddenly that. this someone person who cut us off in a roundabout. match. She goes, use your fucking indicator. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's the side of my partner I've never seen. You can tell <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not bad advice to practice the route. You've probably been to the hospital a lot if that's where you've been doing your checkups with midwives and so forth. But still, mm. um, it doesn't hurt to, to do a couple of dry runs. This is essential and no good midwife will let you not do this, but it's worth saying again, make sure you've got the delivery ward phone numbers in your phone. Yeah, so important. And the right ones and the right right numbers. Because if you've got the hospital and you need to go through to the hospital switchboard, you know, there's always the chance of not being put through or being cut off. That phone number is very important. Yeah. Yeah. And the number of your doctor, if you have a private obstetrician, having that number too. Course and uh, and a paging system in in a private um, situation they they have a, a page service. Have your hospital bag packed. This is your bag that you know. It's like you're going to a hotel because you you might be there for a, a few nights if you're staying in after the birth. What are the essentials to put in your your bag that you take in a hospital? Pads number one. Um, some undies for women. I there's some really great disposable undies, and because you do bleed quite heavily. And some people have for the uh, mum and also one for the partner, a separate bag. So you can, you know, pack whatever you think that you will need. And in the mum's bag, there needs to be, or case, there needs to be the baby's stuff. But you don't have to take half of sort of 7-Eleven there with sort of, you know, <laughs> drinks and, and energy bars and things like that. The hospitals have a lot of food. Did you, did you find that? That you ate. We ended up having a very quick labour, so oh, right. we, yeah. we did we did pack snacks, and that was an area that I was quite involved in because I, <laughs> I like I snacks. I, I like men. snacks. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we didn't we didn't eat many of them as it turned out. But just on that point, Chris, you know, in my experience, when men have felt a bit dizzy or you know a bit nauseated during labour, men, you've got to eat, eat yeah. and eat regularly. Don't go hungry and think, oh, I can't ask anyone for food. You've got to eat. Because if your blood sugar's down and then you've got this excitement of the birth happening and you get this adrenaline rash, uh, rush, I've certainly seen dads pass out and just go grey, mm. you know, that sort of awful look. Um, so lots of food and fluid just, just to keep your energy levels up because it's it can be a long day. Oh, you didn't have it, but it can be a long day and even a long night and even another long day. Yeah, that's, I mean, a lot of friends recommended to me put lots of food in the hospital bag because they had really long labours and mm. they were reluctant to leave the hospital to go up the street to get something. So they kind of did pack, you know. Okay, so have your bag packed. It's probably worth having that packed. Look, I sort of go 34 weeks because you don't want to go shopping at 39 weeks. You don't want to go no. rushing around and getting get your bag done. It no. does, it's not bad luck. A lot of people are superstitious. They think, oh, it's not, you know, you shouldn't do it. Don't worry about it. It's got nothing to do with that. Have it ready. It's being organised. Um, now, this one won't be for everyone, but it might be for some. Um, playlist selected. Yeah, I, I know I a lot of people really want to give birth to a certain playlist and and it's just a nice thing to do. My partner and I sat down and chose songs that were meaning. It's a bit like planning your wedding playlist in a way. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just, yeah, we ended up not using ours because our labour was so quick and sure. no one could work out how to get Spotify working. <laughs> and then it, we had bigger <laughs> priorities at the time. But but if you have a long labour, you, you probably will going to want music. You might even want some TV shows or, or movies, radio so or something like that. Have in your the entertainment yeah, sorted. That's really important, really important because also for women when you're actually going through the contractions, it's good to have something that you like in the background, not, <laughs> not ACDC, you know. You don't no. want Akka Daka there sort of belting it out. The, the, the whole aim of this is to make your partner as comfortable as possible. So whatever songs will either bring joy to her or calm to mm. her, put them on the list. Absolutely. Uh, and then sure. the final one on my checklist, Kath, is just be absolutely 100% certain that if you're going to have a birth plan, you know the birth plan inside out and you know all your partner's preferences, including their contingencies. So they might say, I want to go no drugs, but just understand with them, is there a point where you might be open to an epidural if things get agony? Well, look, birth plans, I mean, things like, you know, whether you, know, whether you want drugs or not, it's not whether you, you want drugs, it's, it's how it's approached. And when a woman's in really strong labour, it's not the time to talk to someone about drugs. No, 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 no. You've got to have that sort of um, discussed. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's such important advice. Know the exact preferences of your partner. You're you're there to make her comfortable. And you're her voice too. You know, yeah, because she can't really have a sensible discussion with a doctor to, or a midwife. So you're kind of you are the communication channel at it's that point. Very so hard to talk when you're in the middle of a labour, not contraction, but just labour, because our body puts out all the endorphins and it makes you feel like, you know, you've you've been on drugs for 15 hours. It just changes. You feel yeah. so drugged. Yeah. And then when the baby comes out, you feel all of a sudden so alive, you know. So I think for partners, men to be a voice and, and don't be afraid. A lot of people get afraid in a hospital that they don't want to talk up to doctors and nurses. Please talk up, you know. Right. Not a but problem. But yeah, but don't be a presumptuous voice for your partner. No, in a, no, in a, in advance, before the labour starts, exactly what she wants so you can then communicate her, mm-hmm. her preferences clearly. The final question before we go into the delivery ward, should you have a name worked out by now? Not really. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have a name organised. A lot of people have it, you know, before they're married or before they've had you, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, pregnant, before before they've met their partner. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt, I've, I've had uh, looked after many people like that. But I think a choice, especially if you don't know the sex of the baby, if you do know the sex, you tend to, you know, work it yeah. out. I still have, you know, patients I look after and they don't know what they're going to call the baby, but that's okay. That's A lot of people get a bit critical of them saying, what do you mean you've got nine months to work it out? A lot of new parents want to look at the baby and say, you know, does he look like Chris or Kath? You know, that, like that, that was the case with us. Like, you know how you send that text out to your friends when yep. you, you had a baby. You, you know, you go, it's a girl and it weighs. And Rose you know, is such three, a beautiful name. Three, well, we, so this beautiful. is the thing we did. We didn't have a name. We, and I sort of said in that text, name TBC or something. Yes. <laughs> and everyone goes, what are you talking about? How, why? How do you not have a name? <laughs> why are you sending this no, text out prematurely? And I said, well, my partner was very adamant. She really wanted to spend a bit of, little bit of time and it was only, you know, a few hours I think in the end before we had named her but we absolutely wanted to meet the child before mm. giving a name just to make sure it, it suited them and we, of course, we had a short list. We, we didn't know the gender so we had a short mm-hmm. list of three for both 
And we actually said to each other, neither we kind of said it at the same time when we looked at her, she had these big, big rosy cheeks. And nice. we said, I think she's a rose. Oh, yeah. that's so cute. That's yeah. so cute. And she is a rose. Beware. Beware of telling people. Let me tell you. because Never tell people your names. Never tell people because they will comment. Yeah, that was our rule. We we in the very early stages we shared shortlists and yeah, exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Everyone's got an objection to every name. Like we, everyone went to a school with an an asshole. Yes, Lachlan or Rosie or whatever, whatever yeah, it is. And yeah. so keep it to yourself. Absolutely, because when advice. when it's when it's official. They can't do it. Everyone says it's lovely. No one dares criticise it once it's the official name. But if you give them, if you say you're thinking about it, they'll give you feedback. Yep, they'll tell you. I remember a girl, Rosie. (laughs) (laughs) Kath, um, thank you as always for being a voice of calm and pragmatism in what can be a very stressful and overwhelming uh, chapter in our lives. Please join us again for the next episode when we look at the big day itself. That's right. What to expect when it's finally time for your partner to push. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. It's been great. That's next time on... Birth Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath and Chris Taylor. This has been Birth Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. (laughs) Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth. And music by Matt Nikolic.